Welcome everyone to the Sunday program um, and everyone online as well. Uh, we've just finished a 10-day session um, and uh, it's a very precious experience of being together. It was focused around a great Zen ancestor named Bodhidharma who is said to have brought Chan Buddhism from India to China um, in the 5th or 6th century. Uh, you've probably seen figures of Bodhidharma uh, in Japan, it's called Daruma, the doll with uh, very fierce, determined eyes, uh, a symbol of intense commitment to practice and aspiration. He is said to have sat in front of a wall for nine years, just facing off with himself. And uh, I think we can all appreciate how difficult that is after these 10 days. And he was a person of no easy answers. When Emperor Wu asked, who is standing before me? He said, I don't know. On pressed on whether Emperor Wu his actions were going to amount to anything. Emperor Wu had uh, done all kinds of donations for the Dharma, built temples, ordained priests, I felt that somehow his actions should pay off. Bodhidharma's response was no merit. Meaning life isn't explainable like that. Bodhidharma is a great teacher if you're interested in the mystery, the mysterious nature of our experience. After he sat in front of the wall for nine years, he came to the conclusion that human beings are harmful and have been for innumerable time. That's a little different than what we often hear, which is our Buddha nature is just here, a little bit of dust. He's kind of coming at it a bit differently. He's saying, we're actually extremely harmful. There's a lot of harm here, a lot of purification that needs to happen. This is not such a popular idea, it's sort of something that makes us feel a bit uncomfortable to hear that. But that was his kind of view, his level of commitment to practice. For Bodhidharma, having expectations about your life, this is right, this is wrong, this is failure, this is success, is fundamentally deluded because it assumes that we know the full picture of who we are. For Bodhidharma, our lives are the fruits of causes and conditions, most of which we do not know. So you don't even know the chapter of the story you're in, let alone whether you're in the beginning or the end. So he suggests that it's wise to be in accord to be flexible, 
receptive, adaptable. So <clears throat> to help us with that, he encapsulates this into a teaching. And we've been exploring this teaching this week. It's called Two Entrances, Four Practices. He says that despite infinite paths, there are really only two means. One is principle and one is practice. One is total faith or one is method. Principle is to accept it's just like this, being in accord with the things, the way things are. He describes the qualities of this experience. It would be still, non-discriminative. It would have flow. I think we can all relate to this state. We've probably had short tastes of it or we would not have signed up for a 10-day session. We have probably experienced this through maybe artistic practices, sports, in nature, maybe witnessing a birth or a death. Moments when we have simply let go. However, this is not our primary way of orienting or operating. So he very kindly suggests some practices for cultivating this spirit of letting go. And we've been looking at these this week. The first one is accept adversity. The second is adapt to conditions. The third is stop seeking. And the fourth is be in accord with the Dharma. I think this is such a wonderful way of putting the spotlight on our suffering human experience, which is the opposite of these instructions. So accept adversity. No, we want life to be comfortable, easeful, pleasing. Adapt to conditions. No. We want things to go our way because we know the best way. Stop seeking. No, we love to take, to accumulate. Be in accord with the Dharma. Do we really want to be morally and physically upright? Mm, not sure. Bodhidharma suggests that life is unfolding through us and giving up resistance should be a primary spiritual focus. Unclenching, relaxing, deep breath. He's asking some very pointed questions. Why are we so scared to let go? Why are we holding on so tight? Why are we so afraid to trust? Why do we fear the mystery? But the point of all this time in front of a wall was more than just self-inquiry.
from our time in Sashin, we can see how stilling the mind allows a great sensitivity to the deep stirrings of the heart. I imagining him nurturing this most sacred of fetuses, and he's showing us how to do this with his attention to his body and breath. And he didn't just stay sitting in front of a wall. This sense of ripening began to move him. He got up. And this directionality was not a product of his thoughts. He trusted his gut. He engaged, shared his creativity with others. He listened deeply to this place of faith, letting go and mystery. For me, these are Bodhidharma's great gifts to us all. And I hope that you may have touched some of this in these 10 days. This text, those small four paragraphs, for me is, is such a, a beautiful and pithy text. And I, I really hope that you will take time to sit with it. You can see how differently all three of us related to it, which is the beauty of a brilliant text. So please um, sit with it and see how it speaks to you. Can you? And you really pointed to the love that is present in Bodhidharma, which I think we miss sometimes. There's almost a motherly quality to Bodhidharma, even just to his form. It's quite palpable, actually, just uh, if you go into the founder's room uh, and gaze a bit. I think you'll see that. And that's been an archetypal practice question in the, the Zen tradition for centuries. Why did Bodhidharma make this journey? So it's really, that, that question is all about the heart and all about bodhicitta, about the, the love that underlies all of this. Why, why would we do this otherwise? And often we don't know why we're doing it. And we don't even necessarily say it explicitly, but it's always here 
This practice is filled with love. So why, why sit in front of a wall? As Enryu also pointed out, Bodhidharma embodies these two complementary dynamics of total presence, total stillness, and total activity and engagement. I was thinking uh, the other day of this aspect of the Bodhidharma story after he leaves the emperor. He has this great encounter with Emperor Wu, and they have this profoundly transformative exchange. Bodhidharma leaves, and Emperor Wu's assistant says, do you realize that that was the Bodhisattva of great compassion of Alokiteshvara? And Emperor Wu is just kind of stopped in his tracks. And he says, well, let's go get him and bring him back. And the assistant says, even if you sent a thousand men, he wouldn't come back. And initially it's a little mysterious, well, what, why, and why wouldn't he come back? But I was just thinking of that total immersiveness of Bodhidharma's activity, that he doesn't go back. He just, he has, He's totally engaged in activity, and there's no looking back. There's no trace. Bodhidharma is very much a figure of vow. We venerate Jizo and connect with Jizo, Kishitigarbha, as the Bodhisattva vow. Uh, but Bodhidharma, the image of Bodhidharma, the presence of Bodhidharma is a very powerful source of vow energy. And, and it fuses the vow energy with that deep mystery, the, the koan of existence, the koan of uh, being alive, and how the vow is inseparable from that. The vow is not just some religious ideal or some principle or, or vocation, but it, it actually is inherent in just this mystery of being alive. It's part of what it is to be human. could say the Bodhidharma also embodies the path of Buddhism as it's traveled throughout the world. Bodhidharma's story in many ways recapitulates the Buddha's story, Shakyamuni's story of being a prince, leaving the palace, embarking out on this journey, leaving his culture, leaving his familiar home, and offering himself. And so in that way, it's the Dharma itself, the generosity of the Dharma itself manifested in Bodhidharma.
That's why I kept saying, be Dharma during Sashin, that really was evocative for me in the sense that that's really Bodhidharma's message to us. Be Dharma. Want to say some more? When you and Kenya finished talking, we were able to open it up to everyone here and please ask questions to help bring out their wisdom. One of the things that was really moving for me was just the time to really feel like what it would be like to be Bodhidharma. And it made me think about the value of really settling into life experiences of our ancestors. And I was, a few moments came up for me that I was using this session, and I wanted to share those with you. Um, sort of a response to uh, the stop seeking aspect of Bodhidharma's advice. One is um, what I call the rose apple tree moment of Siddhartha Gautama's life. This experience of ease. I often find when we think about the life story of the Buddha, we're thinking about a story of seeking. And we don't spend enough time on these moments of actually fulfillment and contentment and inspiration. And so I was wondering if we could take a moment to enjoy this rose apple tree together, just to imagine a dense crown of slender, wide-spreading branches. The dark green leaves. The clusters of flowers. The pink blushed fruit. This brings attention to this feeling of solidity as you sink into the earth, the rootedness of your seat, the length and stability of your spine, attention to your skin, the soft touch of the air, can appreciate this posture as a direct gateway to Siddhartha's experience, his feeling of ease. Let's take a moment to appreciate this.
Another significant moment for me is when Siddhartha receives the milk rice offering from a place of almost being dead. He receives this beautiful offering. So let's enjoy this moment of receiving this timeless offering of milk rice. You can become aware of your palms. You can open your palms. Feel your vulnerability, your discomfort, your exhaustion. And then imagine receiving the blessing of milk rice just the right meal for you. You can take a moment to appreciate this posture as a direct gateway to Siddhartha's experience, his feeling of fulfillment. Now let's place ourselves in front of a wall. Feel the deep stirring of Bodhidharma's breath. It's caring for you. How it's transforming the cold wind of karma into this warm, supportive breeze. We really feel moved by these experiences of our ancestors.